0: Help is just a click away with Shoreside Therapy's free 15-minute consultation. At Shoreside Therapies, they offer personalized therapy services that combine evidence-based techniques with genuine care and understanding. They provide various solutions to make the therapy process more accessible, including virtual appointments and assistance with insurance benefits. Their team of licensed therapists is dedicated to helping you build resilience and confidence. While navigating life's challenges, join Shoreside Therapies on your journey to finding inner peace and happiness. Go to Shoresidetherapies.com for a free 15 minute consultation and discover the benefits of counseling. At Shoreside Therapies, again, Shoresidetherapies.com, and schedule your free consultation right online. Welcome to the Wisconsin Wellness Podcast. I'm Lori Grow, your host, mental health therapist, and practice owner. Each month, we'll showcase a central theme and provide weekly practical hacks, inspiring interviews, and valuable advice from wellness professionals. Our aim is to help you streamline your wellness and mental health journey. So let's start the show. Wisconsinites. I am Lori Grow and welcome to the Wisconsin Wellness Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Joe Sanek is here with us today. Joe has been a mental health therapist, known most well for his podcast, Practice of the Practice. He's also a renowned author of Thursdays A New Friday, How to Work Fewer Hours which is an amazing book. I love this book. I go back to it frequently. Joe, thank you so much for being here. Joe, I don't know if you realize how much you mean to all of the therapists that you work with, but I can go back and think about maybe this was two and a half years ago, getting ready, listening to your podcast. And this moment is really special for me because I could not imagine having you on my podcast So it's one of those moments where I just want to breathe and take it in for a second.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm so honored to be here. I have people like that, like Pat Flynn or John Lee Dumas, that early in my career, I was listening to their podcasts and they seemed so out of touch with where I was at and they were so inspirational. And I totally geeked out when they were on my podcast and when I was on theirs. So I get that. We we all have those people that have been virtual mentors in this interesting podcast world.
0: What? Stood out to me, Joe, and you're on a Wisconsin podcast. You're not from Wisconsin, you're from Michigan. True, just across the lake. (laughs) (laughs) However, I believe your family, they're Packer fans. Is that true?
1: My ex wife's family is, and they have co opted my children's brains. And so I have big debates with my daughters now. They've become Michigan State fans, Packer fans, everything I stand against. And I'm not even a big football person. So it's actually more funny to just debate with people that are, because I'll often say to people in the upper peninsula of Michigan and just say, You pay taxes in Michigan. The Lions actually are doing well, finally. (laughs) Who knows that when this is released, what happens to them? But it's one of those things that. To me, it's just fun to debate and it's like a sibling rivalry where you guys are literally across the lake like why wouldn't we support you unless uh, you're playing right. the, li- the lions
0: right i do the same thing joe with my oldest he's 12 and i'm not a huge football fan i'm more of a brewers fan but i will ask people to tell me specific stats or sports news and just sprinkle it in to see how he reacts because he thinks i know absolutely nothing about sports <laughs> uh, I think yesterday there was this big announcement for the Bucks that they had let go of the head coach and so I asked my work partner, "Hey, give me something I can say to my son so I look like I know what I'm doing." And his face is so funny. He's like, "How do you know that?" But then he instantly knew I was messing with him.
1: <laughs> it's great being a parent and doing that to your kids. <laughs>
0: With being from Michigan, there are a lot of similarities in the Midwest. We're gonna work extremely hard not be full of ourselves, right? Like keep down, keep low. At the same time, work ourselves to the bone. Uh, I see it with my clients. I see it with my friends. The work that people are doing is so draining. Your book, Thursday is the New Friday, emphasizes the importance of slowing down, how it can help you with increasing productivity. I'm curious, how would you be able to convince a Wisconsinite, not that your job is to convince, but how would you change the mindset? mindset of a Wisconsinite that feels like they have to work more than 40 hours a week, more than 50 hours a week.
1: I think... First, I would start with, I think there's a lot of different types of people that are probably listening. There are people that are mm-hmm. really struggling financially. They're making an hourly wage. They're barely making ends meet. And if they stopped working as many hours as they're working, they wouldn't have enough money to survive. And so I think just acknowledging that there are different levels of privilege in regards to, to answering that question. And that if we're thinking about the average entrepreneur, which is who I focus on working yes. with, the average business owner, it could be just I'm a solo counselor, I've with Simon Sinek, who has done a lot of business coaching. I'm coaching businesses on a lot of this stuff. So if we're talking about business owners, C-suite executives, mid-level managers, talking to them about what's the value in slowing down for their company, for themselves, for their staff, that's where my answer would, would most land. So to parse that out a little bit, if I was sitting down with one of these individuals and they're like, make the case, I would ask them when do you have your best ideas? Is it when you're stressed out and maxed out and you've worked a 50 hour week or is it when you've slowed down? Maybe you've gone downhill skiing for a bit. Maybe you're in the shower and just thinking you're maybe on a, on a hike or snowshoeing and you don't have your AirPods in. You're just letting your, your mind wander. Like, Where do you have your best ideas? And, and maybe some people would say, yeah, it's when I'm stressed out. But I would guess that what the the neuroscience and the research shows is that Our best ideas come when our brains are resting, when they slow down. For me, That first 10 seconds of of meditation, my brain is like, oh, here's all the to-do list items that you forgot to (laughs) think about. And my monkey brain is everywhere. So I write it down and then I can get into my meditation practice easier. We all know that we have great ideas when we slow down. Do we want our businesses to have more innovative ideas? Do we want our staff to be more innovative? Do we want them to find creative solutions to things? Do we want our customer service to be paced out and less stressed or do we want people to feel like they're being squeezed into whatever business we have you know so i think we know that when we aren't freaking out that we do better work, we have more creative work. But then it's what does the research say? There was a huge study out of the UK that looked at the 32-hour week compared to the 40-hour week and they found that the outcomes were almost identical, if not better for the 32-hour week in regards to productivity. And, and so I think wow. if we just look at it, that most companies that switch to the four-day work week end up actually increasing profits. They end up having lower health care costs. They end up having people stay longer. You think about when someone leaves a job. Just how long it takes mm-hmm. to find someone, replace someone, get them up to that level that they were, that the other person was at before them. So there's all sorts of evidence that we can dig into, but I would just start with that simple question of when do you have your best ideas?
0: That's a great point. You convinced me to slow down a bit because that's when I have my best ideas. Maybe not skiing because I'm a bit scared of falling and, and <laughs> rupturing something again, but it is those times. Any time that my kids are bored. It's something I say to them. Oh, this is a good thing. Something creative is going to come from this. You just yeah. got to, you just got to wait for a minute. And that's when they start making things with Legos or boxes. My son makes very interesting things with our Costco boxes. You know, when he's feeling that boredom, I'm curious, it's how society has worked for years and years, but do you think there's a fear in not moving towards that 32 hour work week? Because to me, it sounds like it completely makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think part of it for me when I entered into Writing Thursday as a New Friday was to look at that history uh, of time, of how we got here, because oftentimes we feel like things are very secure and formed and this is just how the world is. But I wanted to see, is that true? And so I went back to look at, where did we even get the seven-day week? And so thousands of years ago, the Babylonians looked up and they saw the sun and the moon. They looked down, they saw the earth, and then they could see bright stars that were planets that were Mercury, Venus, Jupiter and Mars. So seven major things. And in nature, there's nothing that points to a seven-day week. A a year makes sense, a day makes sense, the months are loosely connected to to the lunar cycle. But there's no rhyme or reason to seven days other than the Babylonians were terrible at astronomy. At the time they were great, but (laughs) they just said, let's do seven days. The Romans had a 10-day week, the Egyptians had an eight-day week. Even in the 1800s, the Russians had a five-day week. So if we just start with, we're not gonna change the seven-day week. But that alone is arbitrary. We could just as easily have had a five-day week. And so then we look at what was the work schedule for people 100 years ago. In the late 1800s, the average person worked 12 to 14 hours a day, six to seven days a week. That's just insane. They were working a farmer's schedule, even if they weren't a farmer. And so that was the 1800s. And then we we see some major protests at Haymarket Square in Chicago where people had moved from Europe to help rebuild after the fire. And their life was worse in Chicago than it had been in Europe. And so they started protesting for a 40-hour work week. 40 years after that, Henry Ford in Detroit started the 40-hour work week to sell cars to his own employees. He thought, if I give them a weekend... Then they're gonna buy a car and wanna like scoot out of town. And then I'm gonna help build roads wow. and I'm gonna just sell more cars to my own people. And so wow. in 1926, Henry Ford starts the 40-hour work week. It takes off. So less than a hundred years ago, the 40-hour work week started. So this thing that we feel is like just normal, the baby boomers were really the first adult generation to fully experience this. The World War II generation was experiencing it. And there all the companies weren't on board with it. A lot of them were working long hours. Unions hadn't necessarily helped with that 40 hour week either. So then you look at Gen Xers and millennials, we're only the second or third generation of 40 hour work week. And so this thing that we we hold so dear, we then look at in the 90s with TGIF on ABC and the rise of casual Fridays. And then the pandemic that just obliterated anything that we thought was (laughs) normal. But if we understand that history, we can then say, is that what we want? Do we actually want that? Or could we do something different? My belief is that industrialist uh, approach of you you plug it in, it's a machine, it kicks out a Model T that helped society move forward. It helped to have that 40 hour week, but it also isn't going to sustain for us in the future. We believe things that the industrialists don't believe. Like people aren't machines. People are diverse. They have different thoughts. And, And so if we've thrown out almost everything the industrialists taught us, why would we hold on to the 40 hour week?
0: It just doesn't really fit that everybody in every position needs to be there for 40 hours. It doesn't make much logical sense. If you get all of your stuff done, then why are you needing to still be there?
1: It raises the question of what is the function of this role? Mm -hmm. There are functions where you like customer service, where maybe you do need someone literally sitting there for 40 hours answering phones and you really can't maybe change the efficiency of it. But for most roles to say your butt in that chair for 40 hours a week is what we're paying for. Like, no, like what is the actual KPI, the key performance indicator of this? And can we reach that in less than 40 hours a week?
0: Yeah. This is a tangent, but what are your thoughts of that same idea with schools?
1: I love it. When I look at the research, especially around tween and teen brains, my daughter has to wake up at 6 a.m. so that she can be on the bus at 6.45 for school to start at 7.40. It's just not Uh how the tween and teen brain works. And then you also look at, say, Work and school was aligned around a four day work week to have time to do all that catch up. It's going to help with emotional intelligence. It's going to help with creativity. It's going to help with students being able to not feel that they're rushed from 6 a.m. till the moment they go to sleep. There, there's so many beneficial outcomes. There are some school districts that have actually started it in the last couple of years. And oh. they see that student success actually goes up. Kalamazoo Valley Community College down in southwest Michigan started the four-day work week in the summer. And I talk about that in the book, but it, it was all because this guy, Ted Forrester, he was an HVAC instructor. He looked at how expensive it was to run AC and figured out that they'd save about a million dollars a year just by shutting down the entire school on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and having no AC kick in for an extra day. And the board said, let's test it. Their health outcomes were better, which they're a self-funded health system. So if they save money on healthcare, that means that the college has more money. They didn't want to give up a four-day work week in the summer. There was hardly anyone there on Fridays anyway. They actually optimized the time that they were using the community college more efficiently.
0: What's so interesting is the health benefit as well because I work with a lot of clients that tend to work more than 40 hours a week and just the stress on their body to be on point for that long of time doesn't work well for the body. The body starts to get worn down. Uh, A lot of times people are having difficulty sleeping and then it, it seems to me like it would be the snowball effect. So to switch gears a bit to the habit aspect because like you'd mentioned earlier, your audience is more. However, I'm curious as to some ideas on how to slow down a bit for maybe that average person. Are there certain ideas you might have for somebody to start slowing down a bit more? Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's one activity that I often do with my one on one consulting clients that has really resonated with them. It's called the plus one minus one exercise. Oftentimes, when we enter into a weekend, it's in reaction to the previous week. I had a busy week. I worked 40, 50 hours. I'm just going to crash on the couch, play video games, watch Netflix, drink too much wine, whatever. It's in reaction to that previous week, and you're just exhausted. Instead of saying, let's have our weekend be in preparation for the coming week so that we can be most rested, slow down as best as we can. Be our best self on Monday morning. So the plus one minus one exercise, the way it works is it's shifting from that industrialist mindset where it's a one size fits all, that you're a machine, you plug it in, everyone's the same, it works for everybody. Instead shifting into a post-industrialist mindset where we're thinking about life and activities more as a menu, where we're building things that work for us or don't work for us, that we're really experimenting on ourselves to see what works. And so in this exercise, you're gonna look at your coming weekend and say, what's something I can add to this weekend that I can test and just see, does it make me feel a little bit more connected to the people in my life? Does it make me feel more rested? Does it make me feel like I got a little more out of the weekend? For me, last weekend, we went Downhill skiing, and my daughter started taking snowboard lessons. Claire and I had an amazing time. We went skiing for three hours without the girls because they were in snowboard lessons, and we got out of the house and enjoyed the winter weather. And so that would be on my plus one list of things that I could add in that make my weekend just more robust. But then we also want to do a minus one. There might be things that we need to remove from our schedule. Maybe we don't want to spend Sunday fighting with everybody trying to get our groceries done. Maybe we give ourselves permission to say, I'm going to get groceries delivered this week. See if taking that off my plate makes me feel a little bit better. Or or maybe you're scheduled to get coffee with a friend of yours, but they're a toxic friend. And every time you leave, you feel like trash. Like we're all too old to have toxic friends. You're allowed to cancel that and say, you know what? Unfortunately, I I have something else uh, that I need to do and and we're not going to be able to meet. See how that feels. And, And so as you're adding things in, it could be as small as saying, Man, on a Saturday morning, I would love to just drink some green tea and read some fiction book for an hour and have my kids not interrupt me. Okay, there's some planning there. You might have to talk to your partner or your kids and say... Unless you're bleeding, please don't open this door. I'm going to right, be reading right. and I just need this for an hour. And so finding those little things to have our menu that we can say, OK, I feel a little off. I need to add something or remove something for my weekend to get back to what really lights me up.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. Exploring and testing things out. I did see something, I think it was on Instagram, where a mom said, hey, when I'm done with this book, we're going to clean the whole house. And then she got her time. She got a lot of time. Yes, I'm like, I got to use that. I got to use that technique. But yes, I love that. Thinking about what are some things that really aren't serving you? What are some things that you could take off your plate? And thinking about it, not in this big, huge way of, I'm going to take this out from here on out. Let's test it. See how I feel. I can always change. I think that gets in the way for some people thinking that they have to commit to a change or commit to a Mm -hmm. path. So I think that would be really useful.
1: I think there's a lot of guilt when people set a new year's resolution and then they fail by early February. They they look at themselves as a failure rather than, okay, that goal wasn't a fit for me. Maybe I don't want to go to the gym every single day. I want to be healthier, but Going and running on a treadmill sounds boring. Maybe I need to take up curling or do an improv class or whatever. And just say, yeah, I learned some information about myself. Planet Fitness isn't for me. Okay, good. Now let's move on to trying other things.
0: One of my goals with the Wisconsin Wellness Podcast is to change what wellness means for people because it does seem like there is pressure in being well and feeling good and health. And it can seem as though you have to do all of the things. But really about what you just said, some things aren't going to fit for you. I'm not going to give up cheese curds, for instance.
1: Oh, me either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I got to figure out, does that mean maybe I have an extra apple? What does it actually mean for me that's doable and that I don't feel down or criticize myself? Our world is filled with those dopamine focused Things and mm-hmm. I have to be realistic, and I want listeners to be realistic too that you can be well and take care of yourself without needing it to be this quote unquote perfect lifestyle.
1: I think that's a really great point because if we think about what's the motivation behind our wellness, so often it's I don't want to be at the end of my life and regret how I lived or I'm trying to optimize or biohack my life or it's coming from a place of lacking oftentimes compared to I just don't feel great and I'd like to feel a little bit better. I prefer to feel grounded in my life and how do I do that? It took billions and billions of years to get to the point of where you and i can talk across the lake in real time like all of this is bonkers we get to live in this era and to just be present and be able to say holy cow look at this world that's been created and look at the people in our lives and get to a place of hopefully saying and i'm definitely not there all the time but of hopefully just saying wow i get to do this i get to be joe for this life
0: that's a good transition into my last question for you. So for the, all the listeners here, if you could share one last takeaway from our time together, one thing that you could tell them, here's an action item. I want you to do this moving forward. What would that hmm. be?
1: I would actually encourage them to do an in-action item. Uh, I would encourage Ooh. them to look at what's making you feel guilty right now. Like when you're like, oh, I should do another load of laundry. I'm a single dad with sole physical custody of two amazing daughters. There is always something that I can be doing. And I have to consciously say to myself, it's time to have some inaction. We all have things that we could be doing better. We could be looking at our retirement portfolio. We could be doing all these things that would better our lives, quote unquote. But it's like a neuroses that we're not good enough and we have to do more. We, We read a news article that says, if you're this age, this should be your net worth. And we read another thing that says, if you want to raise emotionally intelligent kids, this Harvard researcher says do these things. I would just encourage people to say, it's okay if you let one load of laundry go unfolded for an extra day. It's okay if you don't clean the kitchen and you decide to play a board game with your kids after dinner instead. Find those inactions to, to allow them to creep into your life.
0: I love that. I think in the world of technology and information, that can be what paralyzes us. So I love that idea of picking something not to do. Thank you so much, Joe, for talking with me today. This has been amazing.
1: Lori, this has been awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us today on the Wisconsin Wellness Podcast. Remember, your well-being is a priority, and we're here to help support you every step of the way. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast for more inspiring content on health and wellness. You can also join our Facebook group to connect with Wisconsin wellness providers by clicking the link in our show notes. Take care of yourself and remember that your well-being is a journey, not a destination. We look forward to you joining us again next time on the Wisconsin Wellness Podcast. Until then, stay well and stay inspired.